Hello, and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Najarian with On Purpose Magazine, and we're here today with Mike Walker. Um, hi. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing very well, and you didn't give my title, Gossip Editor oh. of the National Enquirer. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Hello? We're, we're very excited to have Mike on today. He is... Uh, uh, one of the, he is the top uh, he's the top correspondent at uh, National Enquirer, and uh, we're super happy to have you on today. Um, you know, I'm used to hearing you on Howard Stern and all over the radio and TV and national TV yeah. and all kinds of places. So I'm very honored to have you here today, Mike. Well, ditto, and of course I have heard of your uh, influence and uh, you know your followers and so forth. So I'm very happy to be here too, JW. Well, thank you, Mike. That's very kind to say. Listen, uh, I got you on today. Um, I know I don't have you very, very long. You're on that. Uh, you're on the old press junket for your new book. Um, oh boy! You are already a national best-selling uh, author, and now you got a new one coming out, right? Yeah. This and this is a novel. Uh, it's only the second novel I've ever done, and I really enjoyed doing it because it was based on a very simple premise. Somebody said to me one day, "Oh, you gossip columnists, you're vampires." And I thought, hmm, a Hollywood gossip columnist who's also a vampire secretly. The things you could do with the, you know, powers of hearing, of sight, and 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 just the powers that vampires have, and the way you could you could you know take care of bitchy little stars and give you a problem, and how you could fly out into the Hollywood skies at night and go to oh I don't know Scarlett Johansson's window or you know or Tom Cruise's perhaps, um, and see what's going on. And it just intrigued me, so I sat down, and it was great fun because it's the first time I've ever written a book, really, for fun. You know, when you're doing mm-hmm. nonfiction, which is most of what I do, you know, you're, you're usually going for an angle. It's very, you know, the, the publisher has their ideas, no, don't make it to this or to that, you know, and you're going for market. This was just sit down and write it and have some fun, and just imagine that you, uh, a gossip columnist, have suddenly become a vampire with all the powers and I started writing it, and I thought, if this bores me, I'm going to stop writing it. It's that simple. I didn't have it pre-sold like I have most of my books. And when I got to about 20, I think it's about 20,000 words, I, I read back over it. And that's usually the moment of truth. You go, oh, this is garbage. But I really liked it. I thought it was fun, and I just kept going. So I had a lot of fun, and I hope you do too when you read it. Well, that, okay, you have the uh, the, hip, the atypical hero, we should say, and this is uh, Clark Kelly. He's the He's the vampire. Is this uh, Clark Kelly guy? Is this uh, is, is is he kind of based on you and your and your background in uh, um, that kind of? Well, news? Clark Kelly based on me. That'll be a bit much to say. Clark Kelly is a handsome, debonair, uh, very charming to women, etc. Does that describe me? No, probably not. My wife wouldn't say so. But uh, uh, yeah, to some extent, he's he's me in in the. Uh, Clark has a very sort of wise guy kind of attitude, and I guess that would be me. And uh, uh, so, yeah, there's there's elements of me in there, but I didn't base it on me. I'm not trying to do Mike Walker as a vampire. It, right, uh, but it's definitely based on your experiences in the industry, correct? Yeah, yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, there are, there are things that Clark says that I have said, and uh, and I've used them because I just they're just part of me. I mean, when people sneer at the idea of the word gossip, they go, "Oh, just gossip," and I go, "Hey, gossip, my friends." Is just another word for news. Okay, he says things like that, and um, 
I said uh, in the book, somebody was saying, uh, you know, Hollywood, oh, it's so great. And I said, oh, yeah, hooray for Hollywood, right? Wrong. You want a happy ending? Book a massage. You want to win? <laughs> Watch the vampire, kids. <laughs> and, and the other thing he said that it was really great, that uh, I thought was great. And by the way, like I say, he said, Clark became Clark. I mean, it wasn't me. It was Clark. And he had right. his own personality. And he said things that I, I probably wouldn't say, um, but... Um, he, he just would come up with things. Uh, he, at one point he says, how inadequate words can be, I mused. I hadn't felt this alive when I was alive. You know, and, and just yeah. stuff like that would pop out, which, you know, I thought was amusing and other people have. And uh, the other one is uh, the, the girl, uh, the, the young tabloid terror starlet that he gets involved with, says to him, so really, what, what's it like being a vampire? And he says, well, you've heard the expression, life sucks, then you die. It's kind of like that, except you never die. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it sounds like you had a I lot had, of fun reading this. Did this stuff just pop out of nowhere? Yeah. Oh, that's it, cool. It, a lot of it, again, is uh, the, the parts about the, the gossip columnist gathering news in Hollywood and the obstacles he runs into and the way he does things. The methodology is all very, uh, very real. I mean, it's, you know, I'm there, I'm just being, I suppose I'm, I am being me to an extent, you know. I'm doing, um, I'm not doing anything as the vampire character that I don't believe in doing myself as a journalist, okay. We have, Clark and I have the same standards. And, uh, you know, and while people might say a gossip columnist with standards, right? I, I've never really, even though I am I'm known as the gossip editor of the National Enquirer, I consider myself a journalist. I mean, that's how I started out. I mean, I worked for, you know, the wire services, you know, UP. Uh, I used to work for the old uh, NBC Monitor, that very uh, classy radio news show that was on for, you know, a thousand that's years. A, that's a rub, Mike. I mean, you started in the Air Force. You went to, you know, uh, schools like Columbia University, California, Berkeley. Um, yep. You were all right, tried and true, you know, um, badass journalist um, who became a gossip columnist. Oh, my God. Can I cook? I love that. I'm a tried and true badass journalist. I love that. Thank you, J.D. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote you. Um, you yeah, that's true. I have a very traditional background in that regard. But because I was overseas so much, it gave me a, 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 a real twist. As, as you noted, I started really started my journalistic career well in Boston, but that was like fleeting. I mean, it was a matter of months. Next thing I know, I'm in Japan with the United States Air Force. And I always knew, J.W., that I was going to be a journalist. I knew it as a little boy. I don't know if kids ever grow up thinking, but I did. I really wanted to be a newspaper man. And kind of my heroes were those guys. Remember in the old, uh, um, the old Warner Brothers uh, movies and, and the guys in, in the fedora hat, like, like my vampire. Yeah, with and, the cigar uh, in their mouth. Yeah, and he's got the press card, and he goes, Okay, come on, Lieutenant, I'm on deadline. Give me something, you know. <laughs> and uh, I love those guys, those obnoxious, you know, reporter guys with, uh, with, the, with the fedora hats and everything. And, uh, and usually they were Irish, and, of course, I'm, I'm Irish. I was born in South Boston. I'm as Irish as Patty Pig. And uh, I, I just went into it, and, and what happened was I was in, this is the best story ever, I think. When you go into the Air Force, you are tested you know, to see where they're going to put you. You're tested for your intelligence, your capability, your skills. So I took the test, and they called me in, which was a big deal. If they call you in, you know you did good. And the guy says, the officer says to me, he says, uh, you did very well. You're Category 1. 
And I said, "Oh, thank you, sir." And, and uh, so, does that mean I get what I what I what I wanted? And I put down journalist and photographer and things like that. And he says, "Huh? Oh, no, no." He says, "You show no aptitude for writing." <laughs> I mean, true story. You show no aptitude for writing. I was like, I was like, huh, huh. you know, because I'm a kid, right? I'm thinking, "Oh my God, they, they must know. They they do these tests." So I said, "Well, well sir, what?" And he says, "No." He says, "You have a very high aptitude." For electronics and mathematics, I I was I said sir sir I said long division is difficult for me. That's the one area I am. <laughs> I said sir son, there's something wrong with this test. Could I retake the test? He goes no, these tests are not wrong, son. Trust me, you're going to when we put you into this field, you're going to go into electronics. You know what you're going to become? I said what sir? He says you're an AOF MOF four three two nine whatever it was. But I always remember the number. Ground radio and radar maintenance technician. <laughs> it's like, oh my God! It was like my worst nightmare. They sent me to uh, radio school, Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. I was in radio school a year, and I came out, and then I went out into the world, and I was sent to Japan. And uh, luckily, I did not crash any get any planes crashed when uh, because you know I, I remember one night being in a in a uh, radio shack. And there's a plane circling the base, and they're going, come on, fix the damn thing. I'm going, uh, uh, and, you know, the guy's going, this is uh, Air Force 9 or 403. We are losing altitude or life and fuel, you know. And, and it's me. i got to fix this radio. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, no. And i got no wise old sergeants to fall back on. But I did it. I saved that flight. <laughs> well, first, thanks for your service. You know, I'm, I'm also the uh, founder of U.S. Veteran on LinkedIn. We're about... Um, 30,000 members, so great, great chat. You're the founder of U.S. Veteran? Oh, my God, really? Oh, yeah. dude. I'm a, I'm a Navy vet. My father was Air Force. He was on a B-52 bomber, Strategic Air Command out of uh, Rise Norton Air Force Base in Navy. UK. My old man was Naval Officer oh, good. Mustang. Started out, enlisted man, U.S. Coast Guard, World War II. What were they looking for? Experienced guys. He went from being an enlisted man, being a chief, to the captain of a vessel. He captained three vessels. And uh, lost two of them, actually. Oh, my <laughs> <God>. Torpedoes. <laughs> and, uh, but it was great because he used to come into Boston Navy Yard, and we lived in Boston. Right. And my father used to pipe me aboard his vessel. You know, they, they'd go, permission to come aboard, sir? Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, no, that's always cool. Yeah. I was a plank owner on my ship. We had commissioned it, so they would always pipe me aboard as a plank owner, you know. Oh, really? No kidding. That's All right, well, we must keep in touch, JW. Absolutely. Okay, so back to the interview. Let's get back to this because you got this book coming out. You know, I have a lot of authors that listen to this. And so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about um, was the Fifty Shades of Grey um, publisher that you use. This is, a, this is a new deal. What's going on? Isn't it funny? They, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was published by a company called The Writer's Coffee Shop. And they were a relatively, are a relatively new company. It was started by a, a bunch of mostly women. Uh, from mm-hmm. Australia who wanted to, you know, come up with a, a, a publishing company that was really for, for the writers, not so much, you know, to be bureaucrats and all of that. They were all fed up with that. So they started this company. It became very successful. And then they moved to Texas to try to break into the U.S. market. And, boy, did they break into the U.S. market. Fifty Shades of Grey. They yeah. published that book. And, of course, that book became so huge uh, with the uh, Fifty Shades trilogy and so forth that now – Random House has actually, um, you know, taken over the title. You know, they made a business deal because, as they said, it was just too big for us to handle. I mean, you know, it's a worldwide phenomenon. Right. So um, 
And they, they said in their press release very kindly, they said, we are the company that dared to go there, and we were looking for the new, next new thing, and we found gold in Mike Walker. I said, boy, you guys are good <laughs> if anybody buys that. But um, <laughs> they, they meant it, and they're, they're what a publishing company. It's the best, honestly, God, I mean this, not just because, you know, I've worked with a lot of publishers. This is the best bunch I've ever worked with. These girls work and, and they care about the words and the book and the, it's not all the, you know, PR garbage that so many publishers get wound up right. in. Right. Right. Well, and, uh, they just, like, I mean, being a new indie firm for you to, to for you to go in on that, it's, that's, that's a, that's a big leap since you are already a, a yeah. New York bestseller. Yeah, well, you know, when you have a New York Times number one bestseller under your belt, and by the way, I also have a number five, I said modestly, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I it, it's great. I have a track record in, in nonfiction. I've only written one other novel, and I just decided that I really wanted to do this. I, this is something I wanted to do, and the subject just it just intrigued me. And I hope people like it. I mean, so far, luckily, every review we've had has been favorable. People have really taken to the book. It's got you know, it's and I don't want to present it as simply like some sort of satire. It is that, but it is also. Uh, Sex, drugs, rock and roll, and the news business, and the dirty downside of Hollywood, California. Well, so there's something for everybody. I, so it was this this book. I know you just had told me that uh, you're getting great reviews. I just mentioned to you that uh, I got a chance to look at some of it, and I really enjoyed it because you're such a great storyteller, and I just love the way you, um, you know, like to throw in all kinds of little humor, and it's really fun. Um, oh, thanks. Are there going to be, if this is successful, are there going to be more um, stories? Uh, <laughs> you mean more Clark Kelly? Yeah, more Clark Kelly or stories. Dragomir Krajovescu, as he's known in Romania. Ooh. Yes, I imagine there might be. I mean, I have nothing against it. They've talked to me about it. And um, Great. I said, well, you know, I don't want to start doing sequels to, you know, but, but, but this is a character that I like. Great. And it, I'm glad I did it that way because this, I, as I told you, I decided, look, this is just an idea I have. I have no publisher for it. I have no idea whether people are going to find this amusing or not. I don't care. I find it amusing. And so uh, I, I would have no problem, you know, doing a sequel. I mean, Clark and his menagerie is, uh, you know, when, when you read the ending of the book, you'll see that uh, it's certainly wide open for Clark and the gang to come rushing back to Earth. <laughs> So uh, I thank you, J.W., for uh, reading the book and giving me that nice review, and I hope you're going to put it somewhere. Or I will definitely uh, <laughs> Amazon it. Well, after I finish it, I'll Amazon it up. You know that. I'm I would, and I know you have tons of followers, so they're hearing yes. these words, right? Yeah, jump on Amazon. Make sure you get the book first. Read the book, and uh, and always make sure you review it on Amazon. It's, it always really helps. Yeah, um, and we want so to know what you want. Yeah, uh, thank you, people. I really appreciate it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. You finish your talk. No, I'm just saying to your to your listeners and to your followers, uh, I'm just a poor boy trying to make a living putting words on paper, and I would appreciate help. Uh, you know, we readers have to stick together, and writers. There you go. Let me <laughs> ask you, uh, since you're the you're, you, what Howard Stern calls you, the Hemingway of, of gossip, um, yeah. and this book is about a gossip columnist, even though he's a vampire. Um, yes. So let me ask you about gossip itself. Um, you were you were mentioning it earlier. Why do you think that not only gossip is really prevalent, but it's uh, maligned and at the same time loved by the American community? Why, why do you think that is? It's maligned because 
people are very quick to think that it's terrible to have the awful curiosity we all have about each other. And we all sort of feel guilty about it. But what do you care what he's doing for? What do you care what she's doing for? I mean, it's none of your business. And you live in that live, you know. But on the other hand, you just say, well, do you remember the opening line of the book? Your book? No. The opening line of my book is, he's, he's, uh, Clark Kelly is in an interview on KBC Radio in Los Angeles. And the first question he's asked by the host is, chapter one, is Tom Cruise gay? Now, yeah. <laughs> a question like that, and by the way, uh, I've told this story many times on TV, over the years, when people recognize me on the street, that is the most asked question, even to this day. People are just, and it's like, well, who cares? You know, what? really, who cares, okay? <laughs> Especially in this day and age, right? Right. It's not going to shock or titillate, but there's just something in us that we just want to know about people. And it isn't always evil. It's, we're curious about each other. The other thing gossip does is it gives you a sort of an idea of how the world assesses things and how they uh, classify behavior. You know, uh, I always use the example of a little girl uh, comes out of a cave uh, with her cave uh, mother and her cave sisters and brothers. It's caveman time. And the women come out, and they look down to the cave down the street, down the path. And one of them says, oh, my God, look at her in her. Look at, have you ever seen a shorter fur skirt? Oh, my God. And the women go, oh, yes, look at that. Oh, my God. So the little girl now, she's thinking, okay, when I grow up, don't wear skirts that are too short, or all the women are going to be gossiping about you. So it teaches us behavior as well, what's acceptable to the tribe. Right. And what is likely to get us into trouble? It teaches us, gossip is a very, very uh, handy tool. And if you look at it as not just evil, you know, there is, obviously gossip is evil sometimes, like anything else is. But if you look at it as a social tool, as a way to judge things and how people react to things, you know, it's like, uh, what? I mean, pick any, pick a subject. Oh, my God, did you see Kim Kardashian in the butt? You know? Well, why are we talking about Kim Kardashian's butt? Woman did a sex tape, you know. Yeah, oh my God, yeah, how about that, you know. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. So, you've got it right, buddy. You've got it exactly right. Um, Could you do me a favor here? I don't know if you will or not. That's okay. If you you don't know expectation. But, uh, you know, you were famous for coming on Howard Stern every week. And you did what they called the Gossip Game, or what I go, or sometimes we called it the Mike Walker Game. I think that's what it turned right. out to be. Do you yeah, have a Mike game. Walker mm-hmm. Game moment for us? Oh my God! Um, yes, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Um, Sorry, buddy. What? Okay, I can tell you this. I can tell you this story. Many years ago, um, it was Reese Witherspoon was. Uh, I remember I used to do four items, and I'd say one of the items I have made up. It is absolutely false. I've used all my skills to fool you into thinking it's as true as the rest of them. And when you find out which one's the phony, you realize that truth can be stranger than fiction because the ones that are true are sometimes more more bizarre than the ones that I made up. Okay, right. here we go. There's four items. So I would, I would do the four items. So this day I did the four items, and one of the items I said that Reese Witherspoon had just had twins, and uh, because she was, she, was, she was pregnant at the time, and there was a lot of speculation, I said she had twins, they just arrived, and uh, I am dubbing them Reese's Pieces. 
you know, like the, the, the candy. Okay? <laughs> okay, so da 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 da. We go on with the game, and so Howard goes, okay. So uh, Robin says this, I say that, you know, Gary says that, and and you know, and uh, okay, what is it, Mike? What's the? I said, well, the the, the false item is Reese Witherspoon. She did not have twins. Maybe she will, you know. But good luck to her. Then her impending birth. Okay. Okay. There's Mike Walker. Yeah. Hey. You know. Okay. So I hang up the phone. About an hour later, I'm in L.A. and I get a phone call, and it's from Reese Witherspoon's PR, saying, "You are going to be sued, Buster. You think you're so smart. Blah 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 blah." And I'm going, "What in the world are you talking about?" She says, "You announced today that Reese had twins." And you call them Reese's Pieces. And I started laughing. She said, oh, you think it's funny? Yeah, we're, we're talking to our lawyers right now. That's absolutely phony. I'm so surprised that you might have thought you were more careful than that. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, and I knew this, this, this woman, this PR woman, I said, um, you know what you should do? Whenever my reporters screw up the way you're screwing up, I always say, have you checked your sources carefully? Are you sure your sources? So are you sure? You're supposed to, what do you mean? I was. I said, find out who told you that, and then I would suggest you fire them because they are being extremely careless. What are you talking about? You do you denying you said this? No, I'm not denying I said it. I did say it on the Howard Stern show when I played the gossip game, and this was the phony item. Okay, the phony <laughs> item, lady. <laughs> Tell your goddamn inattentive slug there in your office that uh, it's time to start looking for a new job. And she was like, I said, what, do you think I'm lying to you? Go check it out, honey. Check it out. I check it out personally this time. Bye. So well, that was one of my funniest stories. You know, yeah. let me tell you, because of, because of you on Howard Stern, to be honest with you, you know, I never read the rag magazines, what I call the rags, but I actually mm-hmm. started looking at the Inquirer much differently because I just believed what you were saying, that you checked your sources. And I started mm-hmm. saying, well, this story, you know, I'm looking at the other paper and going, that's got to be bull. But then I look mm-hmm. at your paper and go, well, that sounds really far-fetched, but you know, that's Mike Walker's paper there. I'm, I'm not sure there, they, they, there's got to be some truth there. Mm-hmm. I started looking at the paper a lot differently just because of you on that show. Well, you remember what John Edwards said about the National Enquirer? No. Tabloid trash, Matt. He said to Matt Lauer. Tabloid trash. The next week, the word stuck in his throat when we produced the picture of him holding his love child by Riel Hunter in the window of the Beverly Hills Hilton Hotel. Wow. Tabloid trash. We almost won the Pulitzer for that. We were nominated for the Pulitzer Prize for that, for exposing a man who was trying to become the President of the United States. Right. As a man who, while his wife lay dying of cancer, was carrying on with Riel Hunter and um, we exposed him. So, J.W., good for you. Yes, so got, let's wrap this up. Uh, let me ask you real quick. I'm, one last question here. Uh, one last question. Uh, listen to this all the time. I wanted to get from you as a writer. What is the hardest part of writing the book? Is it the writing, the editing, the getting it produced, or the promotion? That's a pretty open-ended question. There are all, all of those things are difficult. The most difficult part of writing, there are two difficult parts. There's, of course, starting. Eventually, you have to stop talking about writing. Everybody loves to talk about writing in their book ideas and so forth. You sit down and you write. 
But here's the most difficult thing. When writers ask me who are writing books or something, they say, well, you have any advice? I mean, you know, really. I said, yeah, I do. It's real simple. Finish. Okay? Because so many people start these things and they just, you know, keep going and blah, blah, blah. Finish. Because it doesn't mean a thing until it is between the covers of a book or between the covers of a newspaper. It's nice. It's in your head and, it's, you know, it's wonderful and it makes you happy maybe, but it's not writing until it's written. There's my advice. Do you do a lot of pre-promotion for your books? I try to, yeah. <clears throat> I try to do, you know, I'm, I'm on several radio shows, you know, as a regular and so forth, so yes, I do pre-promotion. If I, I, talk, I help promote authors and uh, I tell them all the time, pre they, they finish their book and then they call yep. me. And then they yeah. say, well, you really should have started this so much farther along. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like did that. pre-promotion. People were expecting it. Thank you, Mike. Everybody is J.W. Nigerian. Great pleasure. Okay. Oh, thank Thanks, you so buddy. much, Michael. So so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And a great interview. Thank Everybody, you. This is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine. We're speaking to Mike Walker, a columnist for the National Enquirer and just all-around great guy uh, about his um, new book coming out, the, uh, the Clark Kelly series. What's the name of the book and where can we find it? At? The book is called Out for Blood. Private Diary of a Gossip Vampire. And you can find it, obviously, on Amazon. You can find it on uh, Barnes & Noble. The actual publication date is, guess when? Halloween, buddy. So it's there officially you go. out. timing. Right. So it's you can on, pre-order you can pre-order now, right? It at, yeah, you can pre-order it now at Amazon and so forth. But in, in a couple of days, you'll, it'll be everywhere. So we hope you'll enjoy it. And uh, we're really happy that you said all these nice things about us and, and uh, good luck to you, Bill. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, Mike. Everybody have okay. a great day and an even better tomorrow. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.